0: Welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. The Healthcare Sterile Processing Association, HSPA, invites you to log on, listen and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome to the Process This podcast this is episode number 61. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're doing well. Today on the show, we are talking about the recent activities on the FDA MedWatch. But before we get into that, and for the very last time, let's talk about San Antonio. Registration is now open for the world's largest face-to-face educational event devoted to sterile processing professionals. It's not too late to lock in those plans for San Antonio. Now, I know everyone listening to this show is coming to the conference because I've been talking about it for so long. So let me be the first to welcome you folks to San Antonio. Can't wait to see you there. But hey, if, if you haven't made those reservations yet, if you're still on the fence, make it happen. Make it happen today. Now the conference again is coming up shortly in just a couple weeks. It's April 23rd through the 27th. On a side note, if you are from Texas and you are a true Texan, you need to represent, you need to step up your game. All right, listen to these facts. The great state of Texas boasts three of the top 10 largest cities in America. So we got Houston at number four, San Antonio at number seven, and Big D, and I do mean Dallas, at number nine. So there's no excuses, y'all. And I do mean y'all, because I was born and raised in the Lone Star State. Now, if there are more attendees from California and there are Texas, man, I'm, I'm just going to be beside myself. I, I'm, I'm not even sure what I'm going to be able to, I, I don't know what to think, what to say. So you need to come in force, Texas. We're here in San Antonio. We're in your wheelhouse. We're in your backyard. Let's make it happen. So what's in it for you? Well, you could network, learn, and have fun with your colleagues all in person. And that's the key, in person. Hey, this is our top opportunity. Nothing's stopping us right now. Right, I can't wait. Now the annual conference will offer a wide range of educational topics that's gonna showcase technical improvements that you can apply in your department, update to standards and regulations, and also help you sharpen those soft skills. Meet one-on-one with over a hundred vendors at our exclusive expo. Now, here you'll have the opportunity for close-up inspection and hands-on testing of new and improved sterile processing-related products and services. Again, I look forward to meeting you. You need to make reservations. Come on out. You can still get flights. Now, here's some housekeeping rules. Uh, Just if you're not aware, I don't want you to be cut off guard. Um, The 2022 annual conference will require all conference attendees, exhibitors, personnel, staff, me, I have to comply with this, to provide proof of the COVID-19 vaccination or proof of a negative COVID-19 test taken within 72 hours of arrival to the conference. Now, note... If you are unable to provide this information, you will not be permitted to attend. Now to ensure a safe and productive conference, HSPA is partnering with Clear Health Pass. Now this is gonna provide all the conference participants with a seamless way to upload proof of vaccination, negative test, and complete uh, the health survey. Now there is an app, the app, The Clear app will provide all registered guests within uh, 10 days. So you'll have the information within 10 days of the conference, which if you're listening to this podcast, you're right in that zone. And this is going to help us provide a successful way to make sure that we are doing our due diligence and keeping everyone safe for this event. San Antonio is not only a great place to host a conference, but if you've ever been to San Antonio, it's also a great place to visit. So we are gonna see you real soon. All right. So there's been some recent activity surrounding the FDA and that's the Food Drug Administration, the FDA MedWatch. So if you're not familiar with the MedWatch, all the information that I'm going to talk about today can all be found. It's all public knowledge. It's all on the FDA.gov safety MedWatch. Right. So what is exactly the MedWatch. Well, the MedWatch is the FDA safety information and adverse event reporting program. So MedWatch, uh, the FDA's medical product safety reporting program for healthcare professionals and patients and customers. And we're most interested. So they do a lot of different things, but we're most interested in medical devices, such as you know, on their website, they explain this as hearing aids, breast pumps, pacemakers. Uh, we are more familiar with it and we're gonna talk about today endoscopes because that's been, you know, the high risk devices that we've heard about lately. And so most of this information just came out the beginning of April. You know, we've released it uh, through social media. You should have had some information on it. I know AORN has sent out a, a blast publication on it. So there's lots of information out there. So what exactly is it? I know we've, we kind of send these little blurbs, but what are we actually, we're going to talk about. So I'm going to go into a uh, pretty in depth here of what the information you can find on the FDA website. We kind of get to this uh, first bulletin, which came out on April 1st, 2021, and it's infections associated with reprocessed urological endoscopes. And this is a letter that went out in April 1st of 2021 to healthcare providers. And so that's gonna set up the basis for the next uh, letter that comes out. So it reads, the USFDA wants to raise awareness among healthcare providers, including those working in reprocessing units in healthcare facilities about the risk of infections associated with reprocessed urological endoscopes, including, Cystoscopes, ureteroscopes, Cystoureteroscopes, you know, all these used for viewing and accessing the urinary tract. Now the FDA has received numerous medical device reports, and these are MDRs, and they describe patient infections, post-procedure, or other possible contamination issues associated with reprocessing these devices. Now, the FDA is currently investigating the potential causes and contributing factors that are associated with the reported infections and contamination issues. While some reports indicate possible inadequate reprocessing or maintenance issues, uh, for example, failed leak to tests, you know, as potential causes, the FDA is also evaluating other potential issues including reprocessing instructions and labeling and device design. You know, uh, you know we already know that, you know, these, these devices are difficult to clean. Sometimes there's issues with the instructions for use, right? And the way that they're telling us to clean it. So, you know, even when you clean, according to those instructions, sometimes we know that you cannot get endoscopes completely clean. Although the FDA is early on in this evaluation based on available data, we believe the risk of infection is low, okay? The FDA is emphasizing that the importance of the following manufacturer's labeling, reprocessing instructions for these devices include accessory components for cleaning and subsequent processing to minimize the risk of infections. Now, if you'll scroll down on this letter, the FDA Give some recommendations, and those recommendations to the healthcare providers are carefully follow reprocessing instructions described in the manufacturer's instructions for use. Okay, yeah, we know that. Reprocess steps should include one of the following two options. Okay, so it says we need to follow one of these two, which is pre-cleaning, leak testing, cleaning, disinfection, rinsing, and drying, or pre-cleaning, leak testing, cleaning, and sterilization. Be aware that reusable accessory components may have separate reprocessing instructions. You know That's why we stress you always need to have the instructions for the device you're cleaning, whether it's an accessory or the actual endoscope. Next, be sure to follow the applicable instructions for disassembly of endoscopes and other components when reprocessing. You know, we always stress, take everything apart. Do not use damaged devices or those that have failed a leak test as they could be potentially a source of contamination. Yes, I agree with that. Develop schedules for routine inspection and periodic maintenance in accordance with the manufacturer's instructions. Then discuss benefits and risks associated with procedures involving reprocessed urological endoscopes with your patients. Okay. Now, a little bit of background they give us cystoscopes, cystoureteroscopes, ureteroscopes. They're all used by healthcare providers really to provide visualization and operative access during diagnostic and therapeutic endoscopic procedures in the urinary tract. And this is whether it's the urethra, the bladder, ureters, and kidneys, all depending on the intended use and design of the device. Now, they go on to say that since 2017, the FDA has received 450 medical device reports, MDRs, which describe patient infections post-procedure or possible contamination issues associated with reprocessing these these devices. In those reports, which provided names and devices manufacturers, uh, either Olympus Corporation or Carl Stortz were cited Okay. However, the FDA has not concluded that such risks are limited to those particular manufacturer's devices, nor that any specific manufacturer or brand of these devices is associated with higher risk than others. So of these reports, there were three deaths reported, which occurred outside the United States, and this was submitted by the Olympus Corporation. The three reports describe patients who developed uh, pseudomonas infections post-procedure. Two of the deaths reported were associated with the use of a forcep irrigation plug, and they have the product number here, which is an accessory component used to control water flow and enable access to working channels of the endoscope. So it was reported by Olympus that the isolates from clinical samples match strains of the pseudomonas. Isolated from the forcep irrigation plug. And then the third patient death involved a cystoscope. And the report noted that the cystoscope did not pass a leak test. Failure to pass a leak test indicates that the cystoscope was damaged and could be a potential source of infection. It is unknown whether or to what degree the reported infections contributed to the patient's death and the patient's comorbidities may have been a factor. Now, the MDRs are not by themselves definite evidence of a faulty or defective medical devices, uh, and it cannot be used to establish or compare rates of event occurrences. So FDA action. So the potential cause and contributing factors associated with the reported infections or contaminated issues were under review. This was in 2021 again. So kind of again, we're looking in the past and those included reprocessing methods, reprocessing instructions in the labeling and device design. And so they, it says the FDA goes on in this 2021 letter, the FDA will continue to keep healthcare providers and public in- informed uh, if new and additional information becomes available okay so what has changed right and so uh this is kind of the information that was put out uh right around april 5th or so so right around 10 days ago and it's an update uh to that letter that was just sent out and the update says change in reprocessing methods with certain carl Storz uh urological endoscopes letter to healthcare providers so this is kind of the update to the action that was being taken initially. And so this letter reads, As the U.S. FDA continues to evaluate the risk of patient infections and contamination issues associated with reprocessed urological endoscopes, the FDA is aware that the current reprocessing instructions for certain urology scopes manufactured by Carl Stortz are inadequate and are being changed and updated by Carl Stortz. The affected urological endoscopes include cystoscopes, ureteroscopes, cystoureteroscopes, and other scopes. All these used for viewing and accessing the uh, urinary tract. So at the FDA's request, Carl Stortz conducted reprocessing validation testing on a sample of flexible urology scopes and identified failures of reprocessing following high-level disinfection inadequate processing of urology endoscopes may increase the risk of patient infections. So on April 1st, 2022, at the beginning of this month, Carl Stortz initiated a voluntary recall and issued an urgent field safety notice, external link disclaimer, so there's a link to this if you go onto the website, uh, to instruct users to discontinue all high-level disinfection methods for those affected scopes. Now, this includes liquid chemical sterilization for most of the affected urological endoscopes. Now, the affected endoscopes should be sterilized after each use by an appropriate sterilization method recommended in the instructions for use. Now, we said a lot of things just then. I don't know if you, you caught that. Carl uh, Stortz, and we'll probably go on this a little bit more here in just a second. Carl Stortz instructs users to discontinue all high-level disinfection methods for those scopes. Affected scopes should be sterilized, according to the IFUs. All right? So the FDA wants to ensure that the healthcare providers and users are aware of the changes in reprocessing methods for certain urological endoscopes by Carl Stortz. The FDA will continue to monitor reports of patient infections and contamination issues with those scopes and work with manufacturers on adequate reprocessing methods and instructions. So with anything, there are recommendations by the FDA. And so let's go over some recommendations. Uh, Review one, review the recall from Carl Stortz. And so I, I put in some of uh, the information. So I went ahead and pulled that up for us. And let's talk about some of that information in the actual Carl Stort's, uh recall. So one section says, Hazards giving rise to the notice as the efficacy of manual high-level disinfection process cannot be assured for the affected products. There is a risk that the patient may be exposed to a higher risk of infection. So what are they saying? They are saying you should discontinue use of high-level disinfection as a method of reprocessing the affected endoscopes for specific models as designated in the appendix. Discontinue LCS, liquid chemical sterilization as well. Risk to patients, users, or third parties, the use of flexible endoscopes that is incompletely reprocessed with an ineffective disinfection or sterilization cycle has the potential to transmit a patient infection. Now they go on to say that Carl Stortz is updating the instructions for use of the affected endoscopes to remove all high-level disinfection methods, and for specific models, they're going to remove all liquid chemical sterilization. So this is just Carl Storch restating what they're going to do. Actions to be taken by the user, actions to be taken by you, immediately discontinue the use of high-level disinfection methods for all affected endoscopes. For specific models uh, that are designated, uh, discontinue liquid chemical sterilization methods for reprocessing. You know, I'm repeating this because it's important, Uh, and this is straight from Carl Storch. The affected endoscope should be sterilized after each use by the appropriate sterilization method recommended in the instructions for use for each endoscope. Now here, this is is another point. Number three, if your facility does not have access to an appropriate sterilization method recommendation in the uh, instructions for use, immediately discontinue the use of the affected endoscope do not use high level disinfection method do not use LCS all right again that was from uh, the wording and the verbiage directly from Carl Stortz and then back to uh, the FDA which says, says reiterates what they say do not use the affected scopes if you can't sterilize them be aware that Carl Stortz will be providing updated instructions for use for affected uh, urological endoscopes. So be on the lookout for those instructions if you have those affected endoscopes. And again, uh, the FDA just says don't use damaged devices. We know that, right? This is stuff that we know. If it's failed the leak test, don't use it. Potential cause for contamination schedule those routine inspections, discuss benefits and risks associated with procedures involving uh, the endoscopes. So FDA actions, the FDA will continue to work with Carl Storz to evaluate the root cause of the reprocessing failures and ensure that adequate supply of endoscopes are available for users and patient care. And then the FDA is also going to continue to work with other device manufacturers to evaluate potential causes and contributing factors for patient infections associated with reprocessing urological endoscopes and develop mitigation measures to minimize the risk of infection. And then of course, the FDA will continue uh, to keep healthcare providers and public informed if new and additional information becomes available. Okay. So those, that's kind of the, uh, the first two letters that went out again, the first one, was in 2021, and then a year later, we have Carl Stortz taking action on some scopes. And then the second letter that came out was "Used Watchman scopes with innovative designs to enhance safety." FDA safety communication. Okay, so this came out April 5th, 2022, and this kind of follows on the FDA uh, communication back in April 2020. Right, that says uh, supporting the transition to fully disposable uh, dewadniscopes with those uh, disposable components, as well as new information and complete postmark uh, surveillance studies. So, given the cleaning concerns and contamination data with fixed end cap dewadniscopes, the increasing availability of dewadniscope models that facilitate or eliminate the need for reprocessing hospital and endoscope facilities should complete transition to innovative duodenoscope designs that include disposable components such as disposable end caps or to fully disposable duodenoscopes. The use of a removable component to facilitate cleaning leads to significantly less contamination interim results from one duodenoscope model with a removable component shows a contamination rate of just 0.5% as compared to the older model, which had a contamination rate of 6%. So use of newer models of duodenoscopes can reduce risk of infection for patients compared to the older fixed NCAP duodenoscope models. So manufacturers no longer should be marketing fixed-in-cap diwanoscopes in the United States. The fixed-in-cap diwanoscope still in use at healthcare facilities should be replaced with newer diwanoscope models. So here are some recommendations for healthcare providers, including hospitals and endoscopic facilities. Use duodenoscopes that have disposable components or are fully disposable if available at your facility. Disposable components may lower but not eliminate the risk of infection. If your facility uses fixed in-cap duodenoscopes, transition to newer models of duodenoscopes that have disposable components or are fully disposable. We recommend you contact your manufacturer for information about the newer endoscope designs. So essentially, the FDA is now saying, and following up from its previous communications on duodenoscopes, that you should use a duodenoscope with not that fixed end cap, but some sort of disposable uh, end cap or a fully disposable duodenoscope. Okay, let's be very clear, a end cap that is an accessory that can be replaced or fully disposable. Okay, it's pretty strong language in that one. Now, to date, the FDA has cleared seven duodenoscopes with disposable components that facilities uh, can reprocess or are fully disposable. So there are options out there. Uh, You just have to start making that change. Uh, Last, we'll go over some FDA actions. So the FDA continues to actively work with reprocessing experts, medical device manufacturers, and other government agencies to advance innovative ways to decrease infections related to endoscopes. Since the FDA last shared the update in 2020, they've taken several actions. Uh, One being they posted a complete post-market surveillance studies on fixed end cap as well as updated information on the transition to disposable duodenoscopes. Uh, they've closed out the warning letters there and they've cleared additional duodenoscopes for use on patients. The FDA will continue to inform the public as information becomes available to you. So extremely important information. Again, all this information can be found on the FDA uh, MedWatch uh, safety site. Uh, just keep a lookout for that. Uh, and, and if you miss it, hey, what I'll do is um, I'll, I'll keep you a lookout and I'll try to inform you guys whenever I get that information. And then of course, you know HSPA will send out blast as appropriate. Uh, so that's all we have today uh, on the FDA. Uh, Thanks for sticking with me through that. All right, so that's going to wrap up uh, the FDA conversation. Again, all this information can be found on their website, FDA.gov slash MedWatch or whatever you want to type in there. Usually I just Google it. It's the easiest way. Important information. Try to keep up with this information uh, and I'll do my best to uh, keep you guys informed. Well, there you have it. That music can mean only one thing and that means we're out of time for today. Again, make sure you keep an eye out on that MedWatch. Great information that you need to know. HSPA episode 61 is in the books. Thanks for listening to the show. To receive the CE for this episode, simply click on the link in the episode notes. From there, you can log on to the MyHSPA website Make sure you use the code Conference Time because it is Conference Time. Again, the code for this episode is Conference Time. Remember, keep an ear out for the next episode, always on the 1st and 15th of every month. Each episode's on demand, so when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. As always, stay classy and we'll see you in San Antonio.